the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, let's start thinking. Just put our thinking caps on anyway. Those who have knowledge don't predict. Those who predict don't have knowledge. <laughs> By the way, that was uh, Tao. Uh, given the difficulties forecasting the future, it is very useful to simply know the present. Uh, that's the problem with uh, basically. Uh, being in the business I'm in, it's very difficult to know the, the present. So, uh, hey, listen, if you'd like to sit down with us and have an appointment, we're, we're talking about having a uh, seminar in the new year. Um, I just don't, I'm, I'm trying to get a couple things going, so I'm, I just don't know when. But if you'd like to have an appointment to talk about your portfolio, uh, how to start a wealth plan, um, go to WHK's website and it goes straight to, you know, just look at local podcasts down the Smart Investor Show. Boom. It's all sorts of, you know, you can go directly to my webpage, by the way, and it has all sorts of things. Contact me, email me, that type of thing. And uh, uh, also, while you're there, you know, uh, I would suggest that you take a look at the Insight uh, border, and there's all sorts of good, uh, and it's new information. It, it, it We rotate it on a fairly regular basis. So um, it's good. It's good. You know, they mention names, okay? We also have uh, on the front page under bulletin board, Rob Schleimer's trend and cycle stuff. Uh, it's the update, uh, what he calls the roadmap, and it's the weekly piece he puts out. We also have a weekly newsletter and a couple other things that you should probably take a look at. So um, this is a live show. Uh, <laughs> Lenny tells me that we don't have any uh, technical difficulties this week. We've had a couple of those the last couple of weeks. So if you have a question, the number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Well, uh, you know, we put out our uh, equity outlook last week, and uh, one of the most popular follow-up questions uh, that we saw on that thing was regarding who, where sector valuations look most appealing. Uh, so we, we looked at them, and with both the S&P 500 and the Russell 2000, consumer staples, healthcare, industrials, and technology – are counted among the most overvalued sectors, uh, while energy and financials are counted among the most undervalued sectors. Now, a few other things jumped out uh, that I saw anyway. First, consumer discretionary looks, you know, uh, attractive valued w- within the Russell 2000, uh, at least in our case. Um, and second, within the S&P 500, utilities stand out as being the most reasonably valued of the three defensive sectors. Uh, staples remain elevated uh, and healthcare has turned pricey once again. Although healthcare continues, there's a lot of smaller healthcare stocks that are very cheap at this point. Uh, so we'll see what happens. While industrials have recently started to look expensive within the S&P 500, valuations haven't quite made it back to past peaks. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, so I guess the question is, do we have Santa coming or do we have the Grinch? And uh, while the attention is mostly shifted to the outlook for 2023, I, I find a, a lot of investors uh, have spoken while they're still ba- debating whether the S&P 500 re- rebound, you know, from mid-October, actually last week of September, uh, is in the playbook. You know, is is it is it going to going to work? And uh, Eh, that's something for us to look again. Um, I got a couple things that I want to talk about, but let's 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 start with strategy. And now we let's let's talk about economics a little bit. Uh, Tom Porcelli is our our chief U.S. economist, and 
He said this uh, last week, and he said, we have found that Monday after payroll Friday to be a very interesting of late, in large part because the payroll uh, conversation still lingers. Uh, the discussion making the rounds both Friday and today was about the low response rate to established survey. On the primary release, this was the lowest response rate in over 30 years. This sort of detail, um, of course, tends to lead it's, lend itself to people that are either bearish or bullish, depending on how you look at it. But his take was uh, he had consistently he, he had a consistently above consensus call on payrolls for about 10 months now. Uh, but he he said to keep in mind that it's coming from your messenger on this uh, on on this important yet simple point that seems to get lost. It was above consensus again, and payroll growth is slowing. All right, uh, this has been the case for some ten months, by the way. And so, as you can appreciate that uh, that while jobs are hanging in there for the moment, the Fed is in the midst of trying pretty hard through the most success aggressive uh, hiking cycle ever. To encourage to encourage labor market deterioration, so it, it's really you know the Fed we're swimming upstream against the Fed is what it comes down to. All right, um, now one thing I will say is equities are are proving more resilient than consensus the consensus expects, and uh, you know the strong November jobs report. Uh, the S and P was down one point two percent, but gained throughout Friday and. Closed essentially flat last week. Uh, and now this, uh, a week ago, I'm sorry, this week, you know, we were down about a percentage point. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, we, we've got some things going on here. I'm going to mention one thing uh, shortly here, but it, I still think the inflation risks are to the downside. Uh, when you raise rates basically three percentage points in six months, seven months, uh, I would think that's a shock to the system, and and uh, you know we'll see what happens. But um, you know the inflation crisis of 2022, you know, made investors you know kind of focus on danger, not opportunity. You know, Powell I think was signaling it's time to look at the latter. You know, the year end rally could be fueled by tech and small caps and and high PE. And, you know, people will look it over pretty hard, I think. But, you know, we'll see if if we got a Santa or we got the Grinch. That's I guess that's the major question here. But with the recession looming in the distance, what are the consequences? You know, uh, well, the the fox knows many things, uh, but the hedgehog knows one big thing. And <laughs> it, it argues for the usefulness of thinking one way or the other. Right now, we feel more like a hedgehog. We know the one big thing, the arrival of the U.S. recession in 2023, that should shape the investment landscape over the coming year. So several leading indicators, including short-term interest rates, being higher than the long ones. You know, that's an inverted yield curve, folks, okay? Interest rates are now prohibitively high, while banks are increasingly reluctant to lend. You know, banks make more money when there's a spread, but now they're they're worried about it. So, you know, the rival recession would have consequences for investors. But you got to remember that five years after a recession, the market is usually up two to two and a half times. So there comes a point when there's a change in direction. Okay, and the market will anticipate. The end of the recession, and we'll start going up by the time you know we have a recession. That's the way it works. Okay, so I, I think you know uh, you've you've got some things that you you, you have to think about. You know, uh, so look, <clears throat> we've had a, a year of nonstop surprises. That's part of the problem here, is because I don't. Last year at this time, nobody was talking about four. 75 basis points moved by the Fed. Nobody was. So, um, so we had, you know, last Friday was kind of the perfect microcosm, a week ago Friday, uh, of yet another hot jobs report, especially on the wage front. Uh, and it, it continued to show few signs that the Fed's efforts this year have had any impact at all. So, you know, something to think about. So, 
Look, I, I had a bunch of calls last week asking about banks. So I thought I'd just talk about, I'm not going to mention any names here, but, you know, uh, we have a very good analyst uh, here. His name's Gerard Cassidy. He's on CNBC quite a bit. And he talked about revenue growth. And he his expectation is that revenue growth could show solid momentum into in 2023 as the impact of higher rates is more fully reflected over the year. <clears throat> Banks do better with higher interest rates, just so you know. Uh, and they think loan growth uh, will probably remain favorable and, and fee income could improve. So that, that would be good. Though their expectations for mortgage revenue remain very modest. <laughs> that was uh, the key there. But non-interest expense uh, you know, is, is a big thing to talk about So, and when it costs banks. But, and they believe that expenses will see some headwinds for, from higher inflationary pressures and ongoing technology spending. So banks should continue to right-size their branch networks to uh, partially, uh, partially offset those expenses. So that would be interesting. The return of capitals is a really important point here. They think the payouts for, for banks are going to go up. You know, dividends are going to remain strong in 2023. And that, you know, going into a recession, that's something to think about. <clears throat> so Remember, our dividend growth portfolio is up a percent this year. Our prime income list is down one percent. Compared to down sixteen percent, that's really good. You know, Marshfield's up ten. So there we go. Uh, credit quality it should normalize. Uh, you know, it, it's been uh, some wide swings. We'll, we'll say it's gone from the first standard deviation to the sixth, and they think it's going to return to the uh, to the third. So, uh, and they expect the capital market revenue to improve quite a bit and the long-term growth expected to continue in 2023. So <clears throat> what, what he's saying in so many words is that the valuations should improve in 2023 in banks. So, uh, you know, look, there'll be some challenges, uh, obviously economic challenges, interest rates, credit quality, and, and you know, our dear folks in the government have to get, get involved. Uh, so there'll be regulatory. Uh, I, you know, they're really uh, Banks and brokerage firms have more scrutiny than any other industry uh, by far and wide. So they, they think some more of that's coming. Now, uh, Halima Croft, who's on TV all the time, uh, and but by the way, is special ex-Special Forces. She's a very bright young woman, uh, is head of our uh, uh, global commodity desk. And, uh, well, strategy, I should say. And... <clears throat> A lot of people have been asking about gold, and we think there's a turn coming. And, uh, you know, gold prices uh, perked up, and the weight of the negative gold macro drivers seem to be lightening. So we raised our base pre uh, base case for it to about 1807. Now, that's not a breakout. <clears throat> you know, gold has been in this huge, huge sideways formation since 2000. And it needs to get over, I, I think it's 20, 2100 uh, to be a breakout. But with the dollar going down, uh, you know, that's been holding gold down, okay? Uh, the dollar going up and up and up and up. I mean, the dollar's up like 24% at one time. And uh, that keeps gold and most commodities down. And so, you know, it's, it's been a tug of war between inflationary-driven store value trade coupled with the risk-driven perceived safe haven trade, trade, I'm sorry, and what on balance has been quite negative gold macro factors. Uh, you know, the dollar, um, uh, the, the Fed raising rates, all that good stuff. So yet gold has not gone down a lot. So there hasn't been heavy institutional selling or heavy selling by banks. So, um, you know, I think the key is, 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 as they say in this in this piece, is even if they're wrong, we would ex expect gold prices to beat our base case. So even if they're wrong, they think gold's going over eighteen oh seven. That isn't a bad, you know. So they're sandbagging a little bit, but they're, you know, they're being conservative, which is good. Uh, so there's a tactical opportunity here, and I say tactical. That means it's a short term opportunity for the time being. So um, now. I look at gold as more of a strategic asset than a tactical one, and we'll see what happens. But uh, um, with cryptocurrencies and the doldrums, we think gold stands alone as, as a non-debasable asset. 
All right. So that's something that, uh, uh, I, I think, you know, is important. Okay. Now look, uh, we're coming to the end of the year. Uh, you know, I think we got to think about what happened here. We were looking for a red wave. We didn't get it. Uh, the Democrats have retained control of the Senate, although we did uh, have one step out and become an independent, so they don't have complete control. But the, the margin is yet to be cited uh, by both parties. You know, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But one prediction that did come true is the Georgia race uh, went to the Democrats, and th- that's one of the uh, ones that our, our guy said. Uh, the remainder of Congress is likely to be busy with many issues. Uh, but with that, the good news is we do have detente because the house is not going to send them anything that, uh, they don't like. All right. Um, so what we have here is the Senate at 50 Democrats, 49 Republicans, and one independent, uh, two independent, there's three independents actually, but two of them vote Democrat hundred percent of the time. Uh, and the house is 213, Democrats, 220 Republicans, and I think one of the, I think it was 221 for the Republicans. So I, I, going forward, I think what we're going to see is a taunt. Not any big, big things. Now, they may pass a couple things between here and year end. You know, if I know Schumer, he'll, he'll pass us, he'll spend, he'll spend your money faster, you know, <laughs> than anybody I know. So, you know, he probably will pass something. So, look, everybody's worried about a recession. I'll tell you one thing. The spending, all the money that they've passed, the Democrats have passed, we start spending in January. That's $2 trillion. It's going to start to be, they start to spend $2 trillion come January. I don't think we're going to have a recession. One of the things I did notice and uh, is that the put to call ratio, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you know, uh, usually it's below one. Most people are bullish. Okay. So when the put to call ratio, you know, puts are bet on the downside, calls are a bullish bet. When it gets over one, you should pay attention. It was at 146 on Friday. 146 is, I think it's the third highest number. You know, it, what top three highest numbers I've ever seen. So what we have here is is everybody's bearish again going into the Fed meeting. Very interesting. Hey, we're going to take a break. The number here again is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. With the insane level of national debt that America faces, how can this debt be paid and who's going to pay it? There's another debt that cannot be paid with all the gold and precious metals in the world. We owe a debt that we could never pay to God. Jesus said, be perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. He didn't say try or do your best. He said, be perfect. If you're like me and you know that you're selfish and sinful, you know that you're imperfect and we're in a heap of trouble, my friends. Your debt has been paid. Your perfection is given to you as a gift, as the Apostle Paul tells us those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The price was paid on the cross. Jesus took your sin onto himself and breathed out his life for you. I'm Pastor Craig D'Onofrio at St. James Lutheran Church in Old Brooklyn. Come and join fellow forgiven sinners whose eternal debt has been paid and forgiven. Worship is on Sunday, 1015 a.m., 4771 Broadview Road, stjameslcms.church, where God is on your side. Dr. Sebastian Gorka wants more. Here's my issue with Mike Pence, who was very nice to me in the White House. Why is he talking out right now about President Trump? And he's kept his mouth shut for two years about the border, about the January 6th political prisoners, illegal immigration, inflation. He doesn't want to talk about that, but he'll talk about President Trump and Kanye West. Something wrong with that. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before Jay Sekulow at 6 on AM 1420. The answer. And Odyssey. 
At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. And we're back. And we have uh, a caller online. I believe it's Jason. Jason, how are you? Hey, Tim. How you doing? I can't complain. Hey, I wanted to talk to you about um, what you think next year's earnings picture is going to look like. From from what I've uh, been been reading and seeing, everyone seems to think that there's going to be downward revision. And, um, you know, I think that's going to impact the, the markets negatively. And the other thing I wanted to ask you is, with the Fed's fight against inflation and um, and bringing down prices, I think we've seen as much as we're going to get out of the commodities prices coming down. I think at this point that the inflation's sticky with with the labor, and when you have a labor force participation rate that's declining, how how are we ever going to get enough workers to lower the wages so this inflation goes away? That's all, that's all I wanted to ask you. Well, uh, a lot of people left the workforce, as you know. So I have no idea how they're going to do that. But um, look, you know, we said back in, in March that the the 10-year Treasury yield broke a 40-year downtrend. Okay? We ain't going back to where we were. So, you know, the market changes. Okay? The leadership changes. Uh, the dollar was in a 36-year downtrend. It's broken out. Now, it's pulled back here, but... Uh, now, normally, when you break a downtrend like that, you go sideways for a pretty long time. And I would suggest that uh, we're not in Kansas anymore, Jason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's we're it's going to be a different ball game. We're going to go back to you know rank and file investing. And the people who have been successful this year, I mean, the dividend growth portfolio, that's just you know, that's just you know blocking and tackling. Okay, they're controlling the they're controlling the offensive line. They're buying cash flow. Uh, you know, our friends at uh, uh, Marshfield have been doing the same thing. So it's a diff it's a different thought process. It, it, Tim, so can I ask you something it, though? With that, with the with the dividend, with the, the, a lot of the dividend stock stuff though. At, at this point, if the Fed has to keep raising interest rates and we get to five and a half percent or so, I mean. Bonds bonds become more attractive because a lot of your dividend companies that are actually going to have uh, sustained payout ratios and stuff are below that. And I guess what I'm concerned about is this debt. I mean, the, the Federal Reserve's debt levels are are astronomical. I mean, the liabilities and, and the interest, they're selling bonds at a, at a rate where they got them years ago. They were paying nothing. And now the, the, the interest rate's high. I mean, how are they ever going to get their balance sheet straightened out without raising taxes? And Schumer's, well, they're going to raise taxes, count on that, uh, number one. Number two, Schumer's talking about uh, the spending bill before the year end. But, you know, Felix Zulat, I don't know if you don't know who he is, but he's a uh, he's he's been right about the market a lot during his, his tenure. He was in Barron's this weekend, and, uh, you know, I brought up the 60-40 portfolio, you know, 60% stocks, 30% bonds, 10% cash. And he thinks that'll underperform for the next decade. So, wow. I, look, well, look, you know, when interest rates were, bonds were in a 40-year bull market, it's over. That's what the, that's what I'm telling you with the 40-year, you know, you break a 40-year decline, it's over, okay? Bonds are, are going to be a tough place to be. And, and by the way, right at the moment, it's better to buy the six-month bond than it is the 30-year. There's almost oh, a yeah, I've been point. buying, yeah, I've been buying like three-month treasuries because that. I mean, you're, you're not getting paid to take any more risk with the with the high yield, really. Well, look, last week I said, you know, I could get 5% uh, um, uh, you know, CDs for two years. I can't get them anymore. They're 3.4. So in one week, literally Monday, the bond market rallied in the short end so much that, uh, you know, they're now down half a point. So yeah, look, I, I, I uh, 
the Fed understands all that, okay? And what they're trying to do is bring us into a recession so they so our interest rates don't go up. Okay. Do you think? Do you that, think, Tim? Though that there, there's a risk that we could debase our currency with the amount of debt and at the interest rate levels they that they have everything at. I mean, I, I don't. I'm uh, just concerned about that. Well, I'm concerned about a lot of things, but I, you know, uh, that's ten, that could be ten years from now. That could be two years from now. You know, yeah. you you almost have to react to something like that, not predict it, because it's, look. People have been talking about debasing the U.S. currency for 42 years now. I remember I was in, co- you know, in college studying economics, and our ne- economics professor talked about the, the dollar you know, being depreciated. And by the way, the market depreciated it for 36 straight years, all right? Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. broke out. So somebody, you know, now, you know, currencies rally on interest rate hikes. Well, that's why the dollar was going down for 40 years. Because there was no interest rate hike. So we were in a bond bull market. Okay. We're not anymore. We're not in Kansas anymore, Jason. So there you go. All right. Thank you, Tim. All right. But you can't worry about, look, we've been worrying about nuclear weapons since the Cuban Missile Crisis. You can't worry about them from day to day. Yeah. That's I mean, true. It'll, it'll make you crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I hear uh, you. If it, if, it, if it happens, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, you're right. Yeah. All right. Have a good weekend. Are you anyway, doing? so, uh, you know, I was looking at a few things, and, and look, I want to emphasize the put-to-call ratio. It very rarely gets over one, and it's at 1.46. So they're buying 146 puts for every call. So everybody's bearish again. That's a good sign, folks, as far as Tim Hayes is concerned, uh, being a contrarian person. But bearish commentators view the, the fourth quarter rebound as being a bear market bounce. And with new lows pending, you know, and our expectation, however, is that the equity markets will not make new lows. Now, look, a month ago, September 30th, I got on this radio show and I said, I think we're at a bottom. Okay, we're up 14 percent from there. Now, we're still down. Okay, but we're up from there. I also said, and by the way, this is Rob Schleimer's call. So, you know, I give I give him a pat on the back. He's our head technician. He said the dollar broke its uptrend line. And so did the 10-year Treasury yield. And sure enough, you know, the 10-year Treasury is at, at a 340. It was at a 425. That's a big move. You know how much money was lost if you were long the yield? You know how much money you made if you were long the bond? You know, that's a lot of money. Believe me, in the futures market, there's, there are people are, that are no longer in the business if they were long those or they were short bonds. You know, they got whacked pretty hard. So what we have here, is several of the indexes on point and figure chart, they have a positive, we've got a positive uh, direction, shall we say. Now they've, they've gone on a short-term sell signal, all right? But the bullish percent is still in a column of Xs, okay? And it's got a couple more bucks before it turns down. But the point is, the number of new lows has, has basically dried up, okay? Uh, the number of new highs are starting to break out. The dollar is broken down for a while. That that should take a uh, you know a bet on commodity prices. Uh, although oil stocks have have taken it on the chin, uh, the XPO is is down quite a bit. Looks like it's gonna you know to me the XPO uh, is gonna it's gonna fill a gap uh, and it's down about uh, another ten percent. So um, we'll see what happens, but. I, you know, I think the 10-year yield is noteworthy. As I think it's peak. All right, um, it broke its uptrend line, uh, and we'll see what happens. But you know, that that's interesting. Uh, it does look like commodity prices are at risk of completing a cycle top. All right, uh, so we'll see what happens. The agricultural index broke its, its index, uh, its, its uptrend. The commodity index itself broke its uptrend, the oil index, and that's what's been leading the way. So uh, if you own those, uh, you should be more careful. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on that uh, right now, as a matter of fact. That's what I was, I was looking at this morning. Um, growth versus value, uh, growth relative to value remains in a downtrend. So for all those people looking at the, at the, uh, 
you know, the tech stocks and all that stuff. I don't see it yet. All right. Uh, you know, Salesforce hit a new low this week, and I don't think you'll see more of that. Now, the S&P 500 index uh, is is right where it needs to stop. Uh, I mean, to break through. It needs, uh, you know, it's got resistance at 41.20 and then 43.25. If we were to break 41.20, that would be a downtrend break. Now, on a point and figure chart, the X's and O's, it's broken its downtrend line. So it's in a positive trend. The Dow Jones has broken its downtrend line. It's in a positive trend. Uh, the Russell broke its downtrend, right? So now one of the things I did see is volatility. You know, that's, you know, the volatility index is the fear index. And we've come right down to where we stopped several times. Okay. It's right around 19 and we, we might have a bounce coming. So, uh, be prepared for that. Uh, you know, we'll just leave it at that. Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, remember, the call-in number here is 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Some things in life are optional, but indoor plumbing isn't one of them. So if your drain stops working... Fixing it becomes priority number one. So call Why It Works. We'll come out, get your water flowing again, then scope your line with a camera to show you exactly what you're dealing with. Most of the time, cabling or jutting is all you need. Problem solved. And on the off chance you need more than that, you'll be really glad you called us because we offer repair options that the other guys don't have, along with financing for bigger jobs. In fact, if you called someone else first and you're not sure they're on the level, call us and we'll scope your line, show you the images, and provide a second opinion for free. Plumbing isn't optional, but you've got plenty of options who to call when it stops working. Why not choose the hard-working, straight-talking, do-it-right plumbers at Wyattworks? Consider it done at wyattworks.com. License number 30185. Here is a special message from the Diocese of Cleveland and the Retirement Fund for Religious. Hello, I'm Cleveland's Bishop Edward Molesic, inviting you to mark your calendar for the second weekend of December as our diocese hopes you will share in the care and donate to support the aging religious community of our consecrated men and women. Let us show our appreciation for those who have dedicated their lives to us and to the Lord. Visit dioceseofcleveland.org slash retiredreligious to learn how you may donate. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes, and uh, I, I just got a, a email from Chuck. Chuck said, "Tim, what do you think of Nvidia?" Uh, you, you know, I'm Chuck, you got to do your own homework. But I'll just tell you, uh, everybody's talking about it breaking out and all that stuff, and you know, it has made a little bit of a bottom. But if if you look at a candlestick chart, uh, and you'll see a type of candlestick that tells me it's probably not ready to break out. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I <laughs> uh, try to answer the questions, but I'm not really supposed to talk about individual stocks on the show. So uh, one of the areas, though, that I've, I've seen some really vast improvement and, uh, you, you know, on, on Dorsey Wright system there, you know, they have what they call fund scores. And, uh, you know, when you break over three, that's a positive direction, uh, especially if you stay over three. And one group that has a 2.67 fund score, so it's not over three yet, but uh, we are seeing the right direction, you know, have a good directional uh, thing is, is the micro caps. And, uh, you know, uh, Dorsey Wright has a micro cap, DWMC, that's an ETF. And it's right in its downtrend line. So if we were to break that, that'd be a very big positive. So for those people who like that type of thing, you know, those stocks have been wiped out. The micro caps have been wiped out. There was no liquidity for those stocks at all. And some of these things, you know, have 
positive, you know, they're good little companies, but they've been wiped out. There's been, there's been no, uh, market for any of these. The market makers, you know, no longer get paid to, to hold inventory. So they just step out of the way and they've, believe me, they've stepped out of the way in a lot of these things. Uh, been hard to sell them. Uh, and then when you find there's no liquidity on the way back up, I, I have four or five stocks that are micro caps that I've been following that, you know, went from like 50 cents to four bucks in three days. So there, there's been no liquidity on the way down. I don't think there's going to be any liquidity on the way up. So we'll see what happens. But we always talk about the bullish percent on our show and it's, it's our risk guide. Okay. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, <laughs> It's been the column of X's, which means that we have the offensive team on the field. The column of O's mean we want to be more defensive. But domestic equities are now just middle of the road, all right? The top thing is cash. Cash, you know, is the number one asset class. And what's, what we found out this week is that international equities came in second, mostly European, okay? Third is domestic equities. Fourth is commodities. Fifth is bonds, and sixth is currencies. So I still think uh, with the currency still being dead last place, we're going to have a, a currency hiccup coming along sometime in the near future. Uh, I don't know when, but whatever. But stocks are up pretty drastically from the low in, at, at, on September 30th, September 29th, it should say. Uh, and we, we talked about that. And, and with the put-to-call ratio 1.46, that's I think that's one of the three highest I've ever seen. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But we're still in a column of X's. Uh, we're at 48.5. We would reverse at 48. So we need to have a rally pretty soon. The over-the-counter index is still at 35. It wouldn't reverse down uh, to 30. So it's got plenty of room to go. Uh, and it's down there, you know, where you want to be looking at the smaller names. Uh, that's what Lori Calvacina has been saying for some time. And the world index is at 43. Uh, it wouldn't break down to 38. So they, what they what I'm telling you is they've been beating up the large names. Okay? So it'll be interesting to see. And most of those large names have been in oil. Uh, now, some of this doesn't make sense because the reason oil is down is because they've been taking – I mean, they just took as much out of the reserves as possible to win the election. All right? They're going to have to fill that reserves up again. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but uh, this week, uh, the S&P 500 broke uh, a couple, a, a double bottom, and, and the Russell 2000 broke a triple bottom. So that uh, actually quadruple bottom. So that's not positive, but they're still above their uptrend lines. Okay. So that's a good thing. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it, it, this is tough. Uh, it, it's been a tough year, and, and uh, you know, the blocking and tackling is what's important. Buying yield when it's up, when the stock's down, is what has been the way to make money. Uh, it's been, been very difficult uh, to break even this year. So um, now, with the commodity asset class falling to fourth in dynamic asset level investing, that's just relative strength investing. How many votes each group gets? Okay, uh, this is the first time since 2020 that the broad commodity indexes are testing their support. So for those of you guys who have oil, I have it. Um, uh, you know, the problem with the, the commodity indexes is that, uh, you know, let, let's take um, the GSG, which is a, an ETF. You know, they're up around 20 and, you know, 20 support, but their uptrend line is at 14. So they can go all the way down to 14, three quarters, I guess it is. And, the, you know, that'd be a problem. So the fund scores have dropped below three. Uh, that's another thing to pay attention to. Um, and, you know, if we looked, you know, energy was still a top asset class and basic materials and financials. And this was back uh, on 12-6 of 22. Now, uh, well, by the way, I've seen the GDX, the gold miners index go crazy the last couple of weeks, uh, gone from 24 to 29 almost. Now we're looking at Energy losing steam, um, basic uh, materials losing some steam, and uh, but they're still favored. Financials are favored, uh, consumer cyclical and industrial. So I started from the top, energy to industrials. They're the top five favored sectors. And then utilities and healthcare are neutral. And communication services, which is mostly metaverse, uh, is just down and out, okay? Uh, but 
Financials, I still think you want to overweight based on what we talked about, about the banks earlier. And remember, uh, Lori Calvacina was talking about the utilities being, you know, pretty cheap uh, of all the the more uh, staple type, you know, uh, non-beta type stocks, shall we say. Okay, so that's that's something that's uh, very, very important also. So, um, you know, Europe, uh, we're seeing some. European stocks break out and some of the indexes breaking out. The EFA is, uh, you know, got some good relative strength now, and uh, that's something you got to pay attention to. So, um, you know, I don't know what's going on in Europe, but there's several of the stocks starting to break out. And, uh, you know, we have an A to ER list that I highly recommend to everybody. Uh, you know, the two things, you know, from last week, we talked about the ADR list. And don't forget Dane Toppage from uh, Dunbar, Bender, and Zaff. If you want to, you want to put more money away and you you're self-employed or you got a small business, we can help you. Matter of fact, if you got a big business, we can help you. Uh, and, and what Dane will do is, is uh, figure out the plan for you. And then we can put your, you know, I mean, we're doing fairly well this year uh, compared comparatively. Now the U S treasury yield, if you look, it's the one year, it, you know, six months to one year is where the peak interest rates are. They're at five, well, four, four 4.5%. And and the ten years uh, at three forty, the thirty years at, at three sixty. So uh, that's what we call an inverted yield curve, folks. So uh, you know the the core bond fund, the AGG, which is you know uh, that's one of the big ETFs that uh, the big guys trade, um, gave a third buy signal, broke a double top this week at ninety nine point four. So you know bonds are really interesting. I tell you what's really interesting to me is high-yield bonds are yielding 8%. Now, going into a, you know, a recession, that might be a problem, but you remember, you get paid, you buy yield when it's up. So there's a 5% gap between high-yield bonds and the 30-year treasury. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> that's really interesting. Uh, so that's something to pay pretty close attention to. Uh, and, and then, you know, I think the floating rate funds are still uh, still up there. So in the fixed income area, you know, I think you want to stay short uh, for now anyway. And then, uh, you know, high yields, uh, I, I, look, high yields are stock surrogates. Okay. So it's not for widows and orphans, if you know what I mean. It's, uh, it's just a way to pick up uh, maybe a couple extra basis points. You don't put your whole portfolio in there. Don't do dumb things like that. Um, you know, crude oil is still on a buy, but it's it's fading fast. So I'd be very careful with uh, my oil stocks. Uh, you know, uh, I, I noticed a few of the um, drilling companies uh, broke. You know, they're still five for fives, but they broke uh, double bottoms. So, uh, but silver broke out this this week, which I thought was particularly interesting, and gold. Tried to and, and backed off first. All right. Uh, so, you know, silver breaking out is kind of an interesting. This is in a point and figure chart now. Okay. So we've broken the downtrend line, uh, which is positive. You know, it uh, turns into a positive trend then. And gold tried to backed off. And we'll, I guess we'll see if, uh, if we get through that line in the next week or so. So that's a, I think that's particularly interesting simply because of the fact that, uh, uh, you know, if you if you get gold as a breakout, uh, that that tells me the Fed's you know might not be doing the best job they can. So um, anyway, uh, you know a couple other things we've seen uh, the the weekly momentum on the ten year yield uh, is is getting fairly negative. Uh, it need, needs a bounce, I think. Uh, so I think ten year yield may bounce coming up here. I don't know how, to how to what degree. We'll find out. And the dollar is at pretty much major support. So, um, you know, probably you get a reversal coming somewhere along here. Uh, and I don't think it's going to go straight up again. I think it's going to go sideways for a while, base for a while, and then uh, go go forward. And crude oil is right at major support also, and it doesn't look like it's going to hold. Uh, but the weekly mo momentum it's been oversold for a while. So uh, it's getting less and less oversold. So, um, you know, a decline between uh, below 76, and I'd be starting to worry a little bit. 
you know, it got down to 73 right before the election. And uh, what a surprise. <laughs> All right. So um, now natural gas uh, doesn't look so hot. You know, it, it, it's made a, a lower high. Um, and it, so, you know, it, it got up to uh, $10. And then, uh, you know, at 760, it collapsed down to 510. So, you know, be careful there. And gold is rallying from you know support, and it's near resistance at eighteen oh seven, and that's that's you know uh, where our our commodity group is saying that they expect it to stay. And remember, they did make that one caveat that they think it could go higher. You know, so if the worst case scenario would be it goes higher. Now, you know, copper has established a double bottom near support, so I did notice. Freeport, MacMoran, and some of the other names out there, we're looking pretty good, all right? So, all right, let's take a break, and we'll be right back with uh, Insider Buys. So stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Just a hint of peppermint, and every single thing begins to feel like Christmas. Carols, choirs, and a visit from St. Nick. All your holiday favorites in the splendor of Mandel Concert Hall. It's time to make your ticket list and check it twice with the Cleveland Orchestra. Holiday concerts with the Cleveland Orchestra and Chorus return this December. Reserve your tickets now and experience sounds of the holiday season. Holiday concerts with the Cleveland Orchestra and Chorus presented by CIBC. December 8th through 18th at Severance Music Center. Tickets available now at clevelandorchestra.com. Dennis Prager is ever watchful of language. Now we have the added issue of being gender neutral at schools in England, so girls are not allowed to wear skirts. The same crowd that tells us a woman can do what she wants with her own body, right? Tell them what they what they can wear. Every day is, it is a left-wing onslaught on language. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3, on AM 1420. The answer. And Odyssey. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through. Okay, we're back. And we have another caller. It's uh, Vince. How are you? Hey, how are you? No complaints at all. What's new? Hey, I wanted to find out what you thought about uh, having some gold bullion in your portfolio. Uh, I... Uh, I, I well, I mean, gold billion is tough because uh, I I haven't found anybody that. Um, well, let's put it this way: I, I've, I there are some questionable dealers out there. Okay, so it, it's hard to buy uh, from a reputable group, and it and mm-hmm. it's an eight percent it's an eight percent commission, so it, it's tough. But I, I mean, you know, our people think that the the you know that eighteen oh seven is going to be where gold bullion phase okay that's where we are right now mm-hmm. uh and halima croft knows more about uh, commodities than i do so uh i mean that group is phenomenal they made some great calls um mm-hmm. so I mean, I mean look it depends on what you're i mean if you're doing it as a store of value the problem with gold is it doesn't pay a dividend so it's it's just going to sit it's money sitting doing nothing unless gold right. goes up okay so that's the problem mm-hmm. with commodities in general if they're going down, you don't want to own them. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it, if you're if you're bullish on gold, buy it. Okay? I don't have mm-hmm. a problem with it. You know, every, everybody says that basically you should have uh, approximately uh, a 5% position in gold. Right. In, in your portfolio. So 5% would be perfectly all right with me. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. Appreciate okay. the insight. Thanks. Uh-huh. All right. Let's have a great day. All right. So now we talk about insiders, you know, and the insiders uh, know their companies better than we do. That's simple. And uh, we, I look for very large insider buys. And I, I noticed one, uh, Jimmy Iovine, 
who's a pretty smart guy, he bought some more Live Nation. Uh, and I made a lot of money. I bought that stock at nine <laughs> when John Malone was buying it. And I sold it, uh, I don't know, 50s or 60s, and it went on to 90 uh, after a big dip. So, you know, this stuff works. Uh, I, you know, one of my favorites uh, was uh, PharmaCycles. Uh, actually, we had a guy who used to work for him called in the show. And, this, you know, I mean, we bought the stock at, I think our price is 199. It got taken out at 266. And there's been several biotechs that we've made big money on, and we've also made some big money on other inside buys. So, uh, I did notice that uh, Castilium, which is information tech, and it's this is a low price one. Uh, this thing got hammered. It was like five bucks, uh, you know, four months ago, three months ago, and um, Jay Wright and uh, two two uh, other two or three other directors, Jay Wright bought a million shares. So that's what tells you how the price is. <laughs> uh, so, and uh, they, these other guys bought 100,000, 78,000 shares. So they bought a lot of it. Uh, don't know what's going on with it, but uh, it is a low price stock. So be careful. And then uh, Howard Hughes Corp. Uh, you know, we had uh, another, we had a buy last week and then we have another buy of uh, Pershing Capital, uh, by the way, it's not dumb money. They bought $42 million last week. They bought some more this week. Um, and then uh, Atlanticus Holdings, uh, which is in credit services. You know, the insiders bought this stock at 3 bucks. It's now $27. Um, you know, I, I, I have some. Uh, so I'll just say that the executive chairman, David Hanna, bought uh, 325,000 shares twice this on, this, on the 7th, uh, around 27 bucks. Uh, he was one of the guys that bought it. And then here's another one, Datadog. A down and out, this is uh, software security, okay? And uh, very well-run company, um, Matt Jacobson, who's a director and is a very smart guy, by the way, bought 120,000 shares. And then uh, he bought, um, a day later, he bought another 69,000 shares. So uh, we, we also had one other buy, and I can't can't find it. Uh, there was another a small buy uh, by uh, a, a guy in the financial area for them. And then U-Haul, you know, Ed Schoen, who's the president, uh, bought some stock last week, you may recall, and it, he bought a lot this week. Uh, he bought 133,000 shares one, two, three, four times. Uh, and he, he split it between the common, the UHAL, and the UHLB, uh, which is, you know, so they have two types of stocks. And then uh, Coliseum um, uh, Capital, which is pretty smart money, bought uh, Motive Care, uh, which is medical care facilities. And uh, these guys were down uh, from uh, like 120. They well, they bought $6.7 million worth. Uh, and then our good friends at uh, Freshworks, you know, they bought some last week. They bought a whole bunch more. Uh, and Excel Leaders 3, which is a, a hedge fund, bought another $8 million, and Shamir Gandhi bought another $8 million worth. So that doesn't jump change. They've been buying for some time, by the way. Oh, Pershing Square bought uh, 47,000 shares uh, uh, on the 6th so of Howard Hughes. So And, and on the 7th, they bought another 41,000 shares. So they're, they're stocking up. And then, you know, uh, uh, Higher Right Holdings, uh, which is staffing and employment, General Atlantic has been buying this, and, and then last week they bought a whole bunch more. They bought uh, four or five, uh, almost you know one and three quarter million dollars worth, four or five times. And here's another thing that I think is very interesting: Blackstone. You know, they just beat Blackstone up in the last couple of weeks. It was 110, now 76. And uh, one of the directors, Ruth Porat, uh, bought 1.7 million dollars worth. And then we have another buy uh, of one. Uh, it was 600 thousand worth. So. And then the Byline Bank Corp, we had a, a, a director buy $2 million worth. Uh, you don't see small bank corps like that get big buys very often. And then SLR Investments. This is a lot of asset managers being bought. Uh, we had uh, two guys buy $900,000 worth also. So, uh, and, and our good friend, uh, Jay Farner at Rocket Mortgage, uh, went crazy again this week. <laughs> He continues to buy about 120, 130,000 shares a week. Uh, he's been doing it all summer long. So uh, Jay's a smart guy, uh, very smart guy. So uh, we're seeing quite a bit of uh, insider buying, okay? So um, 
look, there's been a couple things. I I think we're going to have a bounce. Uh, you know, the question is, you know, will it bounce much going into the, you know, look, we, we got an FMOC meeting this week. So I, the question is, is are we going to bounce much into that? And I think that, um, you know, it depends on what they do at the meeting. You know, if they do a half a point, things are going to get really interesting, I think. But, you know, I also look at the U.S. dollar and the Treasury yields, and, and they look like they're at, at support. So I think there's going to be a bounce in both of those. All right. Um, and, and I, I want to stress, you know, Rob Schleimer talks about the long view and, uh, you know, he talks about these long cycles, the, the secular bulls and the secular bears. And, and we got kind of carried away on this, this, this bull move uh, in 2021, uh, 2021. But remember, the average secular bull market goes up from the bottom, you know, the ultimate bottom. And the ultimate bottom was in 2009 in this particular case about 2,300%. If we just go up to 2,000, you're talking about 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500. We're at 4,000 now. You get a three, four times your money. So don't get too bearish. But remember, we do have this repetitive four-year cycle within that 16 to 18-year cycle. And so that would start in 2024 because this, the, the cycle bottom obviously was in 2020. So we'll see what happens. But uh I think next year is going to be a basing year, you know, uh, it'd be like a, 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 a saw, be a, you know, a up and down movement, you know, going, going up. Uh, so slowly, but surely, but believe me, we're oversold. Okay. And we're getting the momentum starting to slowly, but surely turn. And uh, that's, it'll take a while. Okay. This is on a monthly chart now. So, uh, but we are at the bottom of the trend channel. That's the other thing you got to remember. So keep that in mind. So in the meantime, you buy yield when it's down. Now, we made a couple changes to our prime income list this week. Uh, these are things that we bought several years ago uh, in, into the, uh, um, actually, during the uh, pandemic. Uh, we bought these, and so we, we sold them. And uh, we don't have a lot of change in inventory in the prime income list, but there are still some pretty good ideas out there in the prime income list and the dividend growth list that are down that I think would be good good timing right now. And they've done really, really well this year. Uh really, really well. So so don't forget that part. Uh you know, and look, if you'd like to have an appointment, just go to uh you can call by the way, but if you go to my webpage through WHK's website Go to WHK1420. It's a local podcast down to Smart Investor Show, and it'll take you right to my webpage. And just uh, hit the contact me or email me, and we'll sit down and have coffee, uh, talk about your portfolio, talk about a wealth plan. Uh, for those people out there, you know, Dane Topich is, is a bright guy at, at Dunbar Bender. So if you have a small company and you're looking to put more money away, He's the guy to talk to, believe me. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Do a little Christmas shopping for those uh, Christians out there. And uh, we'll be looking at Hanukkah next week, I guess. Huh? So have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show with Tim Hayes. Remember to buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.